Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Very happy uh, New Year to everybody. A merry eighth day of Christmas and uh, happy holidays to everyone. As Christians, we can say holidays. We're the ones who came up with it. It's because the 12 days of Christmas and there are different feast days and it just got tough to remember what day we were actually on. So people just started saying happy holy days and that word became holidays. So anyway, um, there's no attack on Christmas by saying happy holidays. Um, As Christians, though, the holiday we celebrate today, the eighth day of Christmas, is also known as the Feast of the Holy Name. The old prayer book called it the Feast of the Circumcision. And so while the rest of the world is nursing hangovers and getting ready to watch a couple of bowl games or wondering what happened to Mariah Carey last night, um, talk about dropping the ball before the ball dropped. um, uh, We Christians, we begin today by remembering and reflecting upon the name of Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the law for us in every way, including in his circumcision as we read. And this day, especially with our appointed readings, calls us to reflect upon uh, the Christian meaning of blessing. And that's what I'd like to talk about today. What is it to be blessed? The word blessing has become a bit of a cliche in our society. You've probably heard about the hopes for a blessed new year. Athletes and musicians talk about being blessed with talent. You'll hear businessmen say they've been blessed with incredible wealth or blessed with a beautiful home. Once when I was in Chinatown at the New Green Bow restaurant, I overheard someone say, you are about to be blessed by the best soup dumplings in all of New York City. I thought to myself, what pagans? Everyone knows the best soup dumplings are at the Shanghai Cafe. If you want to be blessed, you got to go there. But in all seriousness, you could exchange blessed with the word luck in all of those situations and get the same meaning. I've been lucky with talent. You're lucky eating these soup dumplings. And the question becomes then, are the people in Syria, Iraq, or any other terrible place on earth less blessed? Did they do something horribly wrong? which brought down what appears to be the wrath of God? In our society, the word bless has become almost interchangeable with the concept of luck. The idea of luck was uh, prominent in Greek and Roman culture, and it transferred its way into the medieval ages, but luck was actually worshipped as the goddess Fortuna. This is where we get our uh, notion of fortune from. And Fortuna was a fickle goddess in the pantheon. And people would carry on them all sorts of charms and numbers. They would avoid doing things on certain days or they would do things on certain days in order to either garner or avoid her attention. But this is my first point. Luck comes in two stripes. It comes in good and it comes in bad. And some of you are going to be met with good luck, good fortune this year. And some of you, no matter what you do, are going to be met with misfortune or bad luck this year. That's life in the fallen world. However, the Bible, the Bible teaches us a blessing is something else. A blessing is divine care, and the source of blessing is God himself. Our Old Testament reading from Numbers contains what is called the Aaronic, or the priestly blessing. 
at this point in the book of Numbers, in the Pentateuch, the group of slaves which was delivered by God from Egypt and had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years is now a nation. And they've divided into tribes. This was the whole point of the book of Numbers, is it's giving the generations and the, and the lines of these tribes. But they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and now they're a nation. The tabernacle has been set, which contains the law, and is a demonstration of God's presence in their midst. And they're annually now celebrating the Passover feast, a reminder of their deliverance. And there they are on the edge of the land of Cana, the land that had been promised to their fathers, Abraham, and they're about ready to take it back. This blessing in the book of Numbers, and there they all are in the Aaronic priests, they do this sign and they lay over the people and they would say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give, be gracious to you. May the Lord lift you up with his countenance and give you his peace. My friends, this is no luck we're talking about right here. This is no cliche blessing. This blessing is anything but luck. This blessing is a promise and a pledge from God. And the blessing, if you take a look at it in the book of Numbers, it contains six parts to it. The first is, may the Lord bless you. This is the benefits of Israel's obedience to the Mosaic Covenant. They would prosper and live long in the land. Two, keeping, that's the second part of this blessing, that God would sustain them if they followed the covenant. And then three, his face shines upon them. That meant his presence and his favor. And then four, be gracious unto you. This is the outcome of grace. Uh, This is the outcome of grace, which is always his mercy and salvation. And then five, his countenance. What does that mean? That basically means that God would sustain them. He would give them their never-ending support. And then six, his peace, which is the culmination of all of these things. You live in peace when you have God's blessing. This is a robust and thorough blessing, and it concludes with the promise that when the priests put Yahweh's name on the people, there where his name is, there is where his blessing is. And this is my second point. As Christians, when we speak of blessing, we're not speaking of fickle and changing circumstances of life. That's not what we're talking about. Rather, as Christians, when we speak of blessings, we are speaking of a timeless and changeless promise of God. That where he has placed his name, good fortune or bad fortune, in the midst of certainty and uncertainty of life, you are blessed. That's the promise that comes with God's blessing. Now, how does this blessing come about? In the Mosaic Covenant, it came about by being obedient to the law. But for the sake of brevity today, the Mosaic Covenant, when you understand it properly, that thrusts us to the New Covenant. The Mosaic Covenant, the law, what you do to be holy before God, that thrusts us to the New Covenant. The Gospel, what has been done for you by God in Jesus Christ, That's what the Mosaic Covenant was intended to do, thrust us to this new covenant, to wear not what we do to be holy, but what God has done for us in Christ to make us holy. And as one reads the Old Testament, we read that although they went into the land, this nation goes into the land, if you read the book of Judges and the rest of the historical books, they broke the covenant with Yahweh. This is the critique that the prophets make of Israel. But where Israel was fickle, 
where even we are fickle and mercurial, God is always faithful. God is always faithful to his promises. It's very interesting when you read the book of Numbers, especially Numbers chapter 6, right before the Aaronic blessing, which is fulfilled in Jesus and met in Jesus, there is the Nazarite vow. And the Nazarite vow, the Nazarite was a group of people who uh, grew their hair long, and John the Baptist was a Nazarite. And before in the Old Testament, before the Messiah comes, Elijah always comes. Prophet Elijah. And John the Baptist is the embodiment of this new Elijah. So when you read the book of Matthew, which we'll be walking through this year as part of our gospel reading, you see that at first it begins with the story of Elizabeth and, uh, and, uh, um, and uh, her husband, Zechariah, who give birth to John the Baptist. The story of John the Baptist always is the prelude to anything about Jesus because he's the new Elijah. And so properly in the book of Numbers, this Nazarite vow takes place right before the arrival blessing. It's all being fulfilled in Jesus. For in the fullness of time, how do you know that you're blessed? How is this blessing possible? Well, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. It's interesting, the Pentateuch, the law, Moses can't get them into the promised land, but Yeshua, Joshua does, and that's the next book. This is all a foreshadow and a type of the one who was to come, who was sent to be a blessing not only to the nation of Israel, but to all the nations of the earth. And so in the fullness of time, God sent his son Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. And St. Paul reminds us that while he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as a thing to be exploited, but humbled himself, even in the act of circumcision, Fulfilling the law in every way, he humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. Therefore God has exalted him and his name Jesus is above every name. There's no universalism here. His name is above every name and it's only in his name that you find blessing. And in that name we can be assured of God's blessing despite the circumstances of our life. We can be assured of his peace. We can be assured of his countenance. We can be assured of his grace and his mercy. And this is my third point. None of us knows what this new year will bring in terms of health, wealth, and love. But indeed, the days and the seasons are the Lord's, as the psalmist writes. And we do know this and have it as our certainty that in the midst of uncertainty, we have Jesus' complete obedience under the law, which includes his circumcision. It includes his perfect righteousness. It includes his blessedness. And we have all of this in his name by which we are saved. Let me conclude with this. Our service is covered in his name. And it's covered in his name to remind you of his blessing. This is why we never begin our worship with greet your neighbor to the right and say, we're glad you're here. That's horizontal. It has to be vertical. And when it begins vertically, everything flows out horizontally. We begin with a hymn, a song of praise, reminding us of the great deeds of God. 
followed by blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we do the sign of the cross as a physical act to remind us that we are covered in that name. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We eat, we drink upon that which contains his name. This is my body, this is my blood. And we are sent out with blessings so that in the midst of the various trials and uncertainties of life, we know that we go out with his presence and support his blessing to love and serve him in the face of our neighbors. And it's my prayer that in 2017, as a church, we would have a confidence in that name, a confidence in the gospel, not in ourselves, in our own righteousness, but in Christ, to proclaim that blessing to this city, to be a blessing to this city in our various vocations, and be used by God to draw all people into himself. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.